As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. So, James, uh, it's, we're back. We're back. It's uh, it, it happened again. It, well, sort of. Well, they lost. They lost. Ultimately, the result is the same. So, we have a lot to discuss. Um, obviously, fans, people with the team, players, management, coaches. This is this is not a good day for them. Um, it doesn't matter in some ways how it looks if the result is the same. And yet it, it also feels like it does matter how it looked. Um, how do you kind of jive those two things, like how they played this series and yet the result being the same? Well, I mean, just picture if they would have been, like embarrassed themselves in this series. Like what if they lost in five games or like what if there were, you know, the last two deciding games were really lopsided or, I mean, I, I think I think those things matter. You know, I think then we, we would probably be talking about more substantial changes. I think we probably would. Or, you know, if, if one of the key players was was really not enough of a contributor you know there's there's any number of variables there that could have went a different way and you know i i think that the series deserved to go seven games i think it deserved to come down to be a one goal game in game seven uh you know and i know there's there's a lot to unpack and there's a lot to talk about and (laughs) maybe people will be yelling at their 
podcast listening device if I say this, but I, I think Tampa earned it in game seven. I mean, I know it was, it was really, really close. And I know there were some officiating things that people didn't like, but I, I think game six. Yeah. Yeah. Game six, like to me, feels like the real missed opportunity. They had that, they had that chance. I mean, you're leading going, it, it, it felt like, didn't it, that there was a moment there where the Leafs get those two goals, bang, bang at the end of the second period in game six. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Maybe they're actually going to do this. And they just, like I said on the last podcast after game six, it's like I didn't like the way the Leafs played because they just, they tried to sit back too much for my liking. And Tampa's a really hard team to sit back against. See, yeah, we went over game six. Um, (laughs) We don't agree on that. I I I got in my last, I got in my point one more time. You did. Um, But so here's something I've been thinking about this morning, James, and, and you can tell me like what you think about this. Maybe this doesn't make sense. This is just how my brain is wired. Does it really matter if you lose in the second round or you lose in the first round? If you don't win the cup, if you don't win the championship, like what's the difference? Well, I think that part of the problem, I think, with evaluating the Leafs right now is that the history is like clouding a lot of things. Like one of the things I I meant to put in my column and I didn't end up doing it was like if the Leafs had this season in a vacuum, like there was no none of this history behind them, like if they had been a team, like let's say they had been to the second round a couple of times in the last few years, I don't think people would be talking about this season in the same way. No, so it's for sure. You're right. So there, there's these failures that happened three, four, five, six years ago. And even if you go back to 2013, you know, there's even if you go back to how mismanaged the team was at the start of the salary cap era with John Ferguson and Brian Burke and, you know, when you and I were around the team a lot. All of that is all compounding the way that people feel about this team. Mm-hmm. But I think that I, I, it makes more sense to make some of these decisions in a vacuum and say, well, how do we feel about this team this year? How do we feel about this coach this year? How do we feel about this management group this year? And do we have the right players and do we have the right people in charge to, to break through? I mean, that's, that's all that matters. Like, it doesn't matter what happened three years ago. It matters to the fans. And it matters, you know, the media talk about, like, how long it's been and, like, how many times they've lost in the first round. But that doesn't really matter for what they need to do next. No, and it, it, in some ways it doesn't have anything to do with now because, like, those are different teams. And, and granted, a few of the players are the same. Like, most of the team is different. And I know those core guys are the same, but they're they're different players now than they were at the beginning. I well, guess yeah, I just, I, I mean, guess... I was, yeah, I was looking ahead. back at those Boston series, Jonas, and even if you just look at a picture of the players, it's like Austin Matthews is like a baby in those yes, series. Like he's a he, kid. he wasn't, he wasn't, he was a good player, but he wasn't. It's just not the same. Like the only, how many guys are there that are the same from the last Boston series in 2019? Like oh, five, four. It's like Tavares, Marner, Neander, Matthews, Riley. I believe yeah. that's it. Yeah, I think you're right. So, so, the, so, but so, James, I guess what I'm, um, and and to your point. Every one of the previous years, aside from that Washington series, which like they played great and they were heavy underdogs, but every other year there was something. Like the Boston series, there were two cadre suspensions. Columbus, Montreal, they just didn't play well. This is kind of like the first series, aside from that first one against Washington when no one's expecting anything, where it's like they played really well and they just lost. Like they just weren't the better team in the end. And so maybe that's why. I mean, the question kept coming up again and again and again in the post game. Like, this feels different. It it feels different because they actually like they played well, and Tampa's just a bit better. I I think. Yeah, yeah. I think Tampa. I mean, in the series, they certainly were. 
it, it's it's almost like the finer details, the finer execution that I've been thinking a lot about game seven and even game six too. You know, when we were talking about this in the press box, um, Tampa was just clogging the zone a lot in the D zone and blocking everything. And the Leafs were missing the net a lot. Like I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I think if you look at like the percentage of shot attempts that the Leafs had that were blocked or that missed the net, seemed like it went up a lot over the last few games of the series. And it just, I don't know. It's almost like the Leafs probably, it, it reminded me a little bit of like kind of like the Columbus series. Like they kind of did the same thing, right? Like collapse in front of the net and and the Leafs power play wasn't good enough. The Leafs didn't get enough offense from their third and their fourth line. And that's enough of a difference, especially when Tampa's third line breaks through in game seven and scores the two big goals. I think the biggest reason they lost the series is because their power play would be my feeling. Well, five on four, you take the one five on three goal they got out of it. Five on four, they were only 11%. And the other thing too is over the last three years, their power play is brutal. It's three years in the power, in the playoffs. I mean, it's the sample size is starting to get pretty big. Well, and it's like, it was, it was crucial opportunity after crucial opportunity that they just missed. And they got the one in, was it game six or maybe it was game five? So yeah, go ahead. What do you think it, uh, let's talk about that a little bit because it was so important. Why do you think the power play didn't work? I was watching and it, it seemed like Tampa was just kind of like swarming them for lack of a better turn term, um, swarming them as soon as they got the puck and the Leafs weren't making fast enough decisions. Like they were, they were trying to execute the way they did during the regular season, but they just had less time and space than they were used to. Well, two things on that. Um, and the issues that they had is one, you're right. Like when, when they're moving the puck quick and they're moving quick, they're really hard to defend. Cause like they're, they kind of just like shape shift and like they all move around. Like no one stays in the same spot. But to me, what, what happened in the second half and what happened at points in the series is Tampa just cuts off Matthews. Like they're just not going to let Matthews shoot for the most part. Like I'm looking in game seven, he had three attempts, one shot. But, like, they're really going to take away a shot, okay? So they take away the Matthew shot. Riley's not shooting. And you look in game seven, Mitch Marner didn't have a shot attempt. So suddenly, like, your shots are, are really only coming from William Nylander. Like, he had four shots on the power play. He, he was, was the, the one that was, point. like, getting – he was getting looks and he was getting to the net. And, in you know, in fairness, I thought Nylander was okay on the power play. Um, there were just – there were just some bad turnovers like on, on the power. Like they were having a hard time with the entries. The entry would go down the wall to like Tavares or to Marner and they would turn it over right away and it would go back down the other end. And yeah, they weren't generating the same volume of, of chances or, or shot attempts that they normally do on the power play. No. And and so I think one thing that they're going to have to really think about this summer and, and we saw in game six uh, when they got that goal from Nealander, or actually the Nealander goal, Nealander shot goes off Tavares. Is that game six? Anyway, I can't remember. But the point is they had Mark Giordano, I guess that was game five, Mark Giordano playing with the first unit. And one of the things that Sheldon Keefe mentioned is that that Giordano is just more of a shot threat than Riley. Like he's willing to shoot the puck. And so I yeah. wonder like if, if looking ahead until That's next year. That's the first time I year, can think of a, the coach saying that Riley's just, uh, it wasn't really criticism, but it was sort of. It was like, this is not. He's more of a distributor, which is like factual. That's what he is. So I wonder why they went back to Riley then again when they saw it wasn't working on the power play. I mean, like, put yourself in, in the coach's shoes. Like, literally, you've had the the best power play in the league all season. 
I know, but that has happened. It's three years though, and he's been the coach, and the power play has faltered. Like, well, it's, look what happened gotta, last year, James. Like he switched it, and it blew up in their face. Right. So I, I think they're going to have to figure that out because that was the thing in the second half where teams just started taking away Matthews, and suddenly. Well, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Right. Like, and so suddenly Maybe, it puts pressure on the other guys, and like. You know what I think, Jonas? I think that they need. Not even just on the power play, but at even strength too. They need like some more jam plays. They need to just take the puck really hard to the net. And I know that's not their personnel and that's not really how they scored a lot of goals during the season, but they need to just get into the crease. And Tampa's got those huge defensemen and they try and push you to the outside and they're just, I I don't want to like make the hot take, but it just felt like there was, the Leafs were just a little bit too perimeter. And I, like I said, I don't think they played poorly. I think they played good in this series. The question is, when it comes down to a game of inches, how do you win that game of inches? And I think one of the ways is the Leafs had to get, they had to be more physical in the paint right in front of Vasilevsky. That's just not really who they are, right? Like aside from Tavares, that's not their personnel. And and like to your point, I think the point about Tampa's defense is really important. That is an awesome top of like top four that they have there. And even like their five six, like with Cal Foot and Zach Bogosian, those guys don't play a lot, but like they're fucking huge. Like so, I thought Bogosian played really well. I mean, he did, and he does. He, he played eleven minutes, and he's just fine. Like you know what I mean. And so I don't know. Like one thing I came away thinking from this series, and just like it's still fresh, and we're picking it apart. But it's like, can you, the Leafs obviously had a, a hole in their top four, which was caused by the issues with. Justin Hall and not being able to play with Jake Muzzin and their issues. But it's like you look at Tampa's top four and then you look at the Leafs' top four. I mean, one is like substantially better than the other. Substantially. Right? I mean, the Leafs tried to win with a decor that was deep one through six, but not deep compared to the best teams in the NHL one through four, if that makes sense. Like it's the Leafs had like a lot of talent. It felt like when everyone was healthy on their third pair, but Third pairs don't often win playoff series for you. No, and so like you get into the situation in Game Seven where you can't play Ilya Labushkin in the third period. You can't really play him much at all. Um, and so like I was thinking this morning about the Giordano trade, and I, I like the Giordano trade. Um, but but what they did is is they traded for another left shot, and really what they ended up lacking wasn't the right shot who could play in their top four and. That didn't exist though. Like, who are they going to get? Exactly. Well, it goes did back. Any, did did any of them trade teams in the? I mean, the, we were talking about like Klingberg or whatever. Well, but. I mean, you could you can decide if you think this guy is any good. Like Ben Sherratt, Josh Manson went somewhere else. Didn't want to come to Toronto. It seemed. Um, I'm trying to think who else. So there I don't. Were not a lot. Those of, are not there great were not options. A lot of, there were not. Great there were not options. a lot of right shot D. That I mean, it's John <laughs> the Klingberg. Have been look- John Klingberg. Yeah, well, that's how you mentioned him. But I don't, like Dallas, it didn't seem like that was going to happen. Right, and would have cost a lot. I think the, the Klingberg only makes sense if you're going to keep him because you're going to give up all those assets. Do you, uh, Jonas, I don't think they lost the series based on their blue line. Like, I know that the blue line wasn't perfect, but I don't think, like, they lost the game 2-1. They lost because they didn't they didn't score. I mean, in game seven. yes and no. Like, their penalty kill was not good in this series. Um, early in, in the series... Lilligren had his issues. Labushkin had his issues all series. Um, 
I don't know, like all that stuff, it all kind of like adds up. Like you don't just lose because of one thing. Like you lose for a lot of reasons. And like the part about them not being able to score is like, it's something like we've talked about ad nauseum between you and I, like you always need more scoring in the playoffs, like always. And what it came down to is their fourth line wasn't going to get them a goal. Their third line isn't designed to get them a goal. And so suddenly like you're, you're based on two lines and one of those lines gets filled in and the other is... Well, and Bunting was hurt. And Bunting was hurt. And, and Kasha was hurt. So suddenly like two guys who gave you meaningful contributions in the regular season, Bunting especially, Bunting had six shots in the whole series. And then like you add in another guy who had well, 20 he goals. he couldn't skate. He couldn't skate. And then like another guy who had 20 goals in the regular season, Ilya Mikheyev, really wasn't a threat and like yeah so suddenly like you're kind of short i said it before game seven or during game seven to you that mccabe was a problem like they needed more from him i, I think though james like he finished with like more points than you think i think he had two goals, in a series well he it, yeah points. but those are the empty netters jonas oh yes two empty netters. those are right 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 if you look five on five yeah, yeah that nothing. line that third line had i think he had one assist five on five well camp getting two or one five on five goal was important obviously we talked about this we talked about this in our preview show and we took some heat for it on social media we had there were people criticizing us but sec- i was worried about secondary scoring because we didn't know kasha was going to play when we did that show so we didn't think he was an option and we're like okay your fourth line's not going to be productive um so that was a boost that he played but he didn't play that much and he was coming back after pl- not playing a long period of time uh, we didn't know what bunting status was going to be, but I, I thought he was going to play, but be diminished, which is kind of the way that it played out. And you look at the third and fourth line and it's like, yeah, I know McKay had a good year and I know Engvall had a good year and I know Kemp surprised with offensively, but I don't know if that's enough to hang your hat on in the playoffs that you're going to get enough from your bottom six offensively. When you look at the guys at Tampa had in their bottom six and it, it sort of played out that way. Yeah, it did. And and I think the way to look at it, James, like the way I think of it is like, who should I expect to score in a seven game series? And it's like, well, I expect Matthews to score. I expect Marner to score, Neilander. I expect Tavares to score a little bit. And then it's like, who else? Ideally, like it, Bunting Jonas, would be- I would that- say fu- yeah. five on five, the stars did enough in this series. They, they did. didn't do enough on the power play and the depth guys didn't do enough at five on five. That's yeah. how I would- But part of that is like, is is how the roster ended up being structured with like- You've got like that defensive camp line and then like your fourth line, Tampa's fourth line got them four goals. Their third line got them four goals at five on five. Right. And, and crucial goals, obviously two goals from Nick Paul and Ross Colton had that big goal early in the series. Yeah. And so that's why like, I know sometimes why are we talking about the fourth line? It's like, because like all that little stuff on the margins matters, but part of it, James, like comes down to just the way like they are literally structured, right? Like the structure of their team is like, they can't really, they can't spend a lot. On, on certain places not that tampa spent a lot right well that's what i was going to say like t- tampa's third and fourth line don't make anything they don't they both they both make about three million bucks total i thought they should have signed Corey perry when they signed wayne simmons and that's like that has not worked out so let me look at their fourth line so pat maroon made makes 900k pierre edward belomar makes a million and Corey perry makes a million so they're under three million, and then I added it up in in my column today. Their third line makes three point three seven, which is a million less than the Leafs. And it, you know why? Because they acquired those guys not in free agency. You know, it's 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 more expensive to get guys in free agency. I shouldn't say that because Engvall's obviously wasn't a free agent, and Mikheyev they 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 signed as a European free agent. But the one thing Tampa did is they burned those picks to get Hagel 
and and Nick Paul and part of why they targeted those guys is their their contracts were so favorable. Well, and and so that's one thing I noticed over the years that Tampa does really well is when they make these trades, they're not really trading for rentals. Like every guy, maybe not. I don't have this on in front of me, but it seems like when they they expend significant assets, it's for guys who they are either controlling or they're going to sign. Like you think they make the trade for McDonough where they give up a bunch. I think. I'm trying to remember what was in that trade, but they gave up like prospects and picks and then they signed him. You know what I mean? And, and so like they trade for, they trade for Hagel. He's signed. They trade for Paul. Nick, I think Paul's a free agent, but like. Yeah, Paul's UFA. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. But what did they give up for? I mean, I don't think Paul was that big of a factor in the series. And then game seven, he was just like all over them. He was the factor. The X, the X factor. But so, so answer me this, James, like that, that's the, the, the part I, I'm struggling with. Would we feel that much different about this team if they lost in the second round? Like, let's say they beat Tampa and then they lose in six games to Florida. Like, what? The, I, I still think I'd feel the same way where it seems like they're trending in the right direction. But, but it, it, it's because of the history, though, Jonas. Like, I talk, it's because, like, that, that matters because I think that they would just be talked about a lot differently. You're saying, does it matter in the grand scheme of things? Does it actually mean anything? Maybe not. But so but should it mean should it mean something to management when they're deciding what to do? All management, I think, has to think about is how do we make our, this team better? And it's yeah. going to be challenging. I mean, I was looking at their cap situation last night, late last night. It was like two o'clock in the morning and their cap situation's tough. Like they're in a tough spot again and they're going to have to pull some rabbits out of hats and they're going to have to really squeeze the, the RFAs and the UFAs and they're going to have to really find some bargain buys again. And because you know, if they make mistakes, like they, they can't make another Morazic like mistake. They just don't have the bandwidth in their, their cap situation to accommodate that. Well, what do you think they can do with Morazic? They can either include an asset and trade him with potentially with salary retained or you buy him out. His buyout is not that bad. I said that during the season and again, we got heat for that, but that might be end up what they have to do. It's he's gonna he's gonna create some dead money for them, probably. I mean, unless I'm pulling it up on Cap Friendly. So if you bought him out, his cap hit next year would be one point zero three three. The year after mm-hmm. eight thirty three K. And then one point four, one point four. So ideally what you do is you retain a million and you trade them somewhere. So will another team take two years of Morazic at two point eight? Maybe. Maybe you put a second round pick and a million retained. I know that that sucks, but that's the position that they're in. And if you look at their cap situation, they cannot bring Morazic back. I mean, unless unless they find a different goalie for that's not making very much. But is that really the route that you want to go? They've yeah, got to get rid of Morazic. I can I, trust that. Like, how can you trust him after this year? You can't bring him back at three point eight. They, they've got to. So that mistake is going to loom over next season a little bit because I think. It's either going to cost them a good asset, unless there's like some team that does not know what they're doing. And there are those teams. There are those, yeah. I mean, they're just going to have to try really hard to move Morazic. Because I can't make the cap pitcher work with him on their, their cap at 3.8. And, you know, you and I are putting together a story, which I think is going to be up on Monday morning. So probably by the time a lot of people listen to this, they can read that story on Monday morning. Just looking through the roster and who's going to be back and who's not going to be back and speculating on some of those things. I think one of the most complicated i don't know if you had like a framework for where you wanted to go but i'm taking you in a different direction I, james uh, i'll tell the, you today we're freestyling so okay take well it I'm, where you want. I'm good i'm good at that what i was going to say is one of the most complicated decisions that they're gonna have to make is jack campbell oh i that's not who i thought you were gonna say 
Interesting. No, that, tell me why. I just think the the goaltending situation is well. If you don't bring Jack Campbell back and you move Morazic or you buy him out or whatever, who are your goalies? And you look at the UFA landscape and you look at how much money the Leafs have to spend, and it's like I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe you're trading for someone. Potentially. I mean, a guy who conceivably could be available, who has a big contract though, is John Gibson who didn't have yeah. the best year in Anaheim and is signed for a long time. And, you know, I don't know. J- Jack Campbell and John Gibson just happened to be represented by the same agent, which is kind of funny in this situation. Uh, yeah, Gibson's I don't know. deal is what, 5.8? Something like that? Four. Yeah, I just like don't know how you, I don't know, I don't know how you fit that in, Jonas. I don't know how you're going to fit that in. Like, I don't... Well, I guess you would poof Mrazic somehow. Let's say, let's assume you could do that. And then, like, maybe your backup is just, like... Shalgren, and he doesn't. But play. even then, you're spending more in goaltending than you did this season. So that extra money is coming from somewhere. Well, so the, the guy I actually thought you were going to say is, and who I think is actually a really hard decision is, is Jake Muzzin. Now he had a, a good series, but he's got he's got that full no no trade clause too, right? Like you'd have to, yeah. But those like those, as much as like we think like those are obstacles, but like those can be lifted, right? Before the playoff series and the way that he played i was leaning towards you you've got to find a way to move muzzin out i mean muzzin's contract is relatively large yes it is you've, large. you've got you've got sandine and Lilgren who are going to play bigger roles next year and who need new contracts as well and it, it'll be interesting to see how those play out well but it's just like james like even forget about that stuff like what can you how do you go into next year saying we can expect this guy to stay healthy and be effective like he's going to be He'll be 34 in February. He's 33 now. Mm-hmm. Two more years at 5.625. I don't know. Like, it's hard because, like, he's valued. He brings such a specific skill set that they don't have. He's obviously valued uh, in terms of some of the intangible stuff. He, I don't know. Well, like, it's, the, it's really the other tough. thing I wrestled with too, Jonas, was if you move on from Muzzin, yeah, it gives you a lot of financial flexibility, but what does your blue line look like that you feel good about? No, you're like, right. How, you how would does, need two does, top four defensemen. I think they need a top four defenseman even if they keep Muzzin. Well, they're going to have to have one of Sandine or Logren in the top four. Like Just looking at their cap situation, I have a hard time seeing it any other way. Well, so in, in theory, your top four would be... I, I guess it would be Riley Brody, Muzzin Lilligren, Muzzin Sandine. Or Muzzin, yeah. The, I think that you audition, if they don't aren't able to add a top 4D in for agency or in a trade, I think you audition those young guys alongside Muzzin, and if they can't get it done, you're, you're making a trade at the deadline again for a defenseman. Yeah, and, and here's the only thing that I would add to that, James, is like, clearly they decided... That the defense that they had, and I'm including those guys in that mix, wasn't going to be, I don't know if heavy is the right word, but like you look at Tampa's defense and then you look at the Leafs, can your defense, can that be your defense? Like, can your defense have Riley and Brody and uh, Sandine and Lilligren and like some, like, is that, is that going to be good enough? I guess is what I'm saying. Maybe. I mean, like Florida does it. It's not like, I mean, Florida has Ekblad, Uyghur, and I don't know. It's just something I've been thinking about. Obviously, Justin Hall has signed another year. They'll have to figure that out. Where are you going to find that top four D though? Like that, you know, for a, know. a price tag. Like you, you, the the free agency prices for defensemen are. They got really fortunate with Brody that the number is reasonable and he's played so well. But it's it seems like you lose so many of those UFA defensemen. Maybe a trade. 
If you, I think if you move Muzzin, there's more cap space and more flexibility to bring in another top 4D, but I still think you're, you're still betting on Sandine or Lilgren to play in your top four next year. I mean, what if you signed or you traded Muzzin and signed Brody or signed Brody, signed Giordano for. Yeah. But can Giordano play in your top four the whole year? Good question. He's going to be 39 in October. Great question. Don't know. I like the idea. I would go to Giordano and say, we don't have a lot of cap space. We'd love to have you back. Will you come back at one and a half million or something like that? And if he says yes, then giddy up. But 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 even if he does, like James, like th- that's an, the problem with him. And like, again, you mentioned the story that we're working on. Like he's another left shot. So like you sign him, you have Riley, you have Sandine, you have Muzzin. Well, Sandine has to play the right side in that scenario. Yeah. Okay. But again, Jonas, I don't think that they lost the series on their blue line. And and the thing too is I, I hear what you're saying. And like that's a luxury they'd love to have is another top four defenseman or two more top four defensemen. If you're going to spend, what are we saying, like five, six more million on another defenseman, you're not going to be able to accomplish some of the other things we're talking about, like like be as good as you were in goal and and, and were, were have more depth on goal, the, James. I don't have more that. depth on the third line. Well, I thought Campbell was fine in the series. Sure, that he was yeah. fine. No, 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 no. That that's that's fair. I thought you meant just like the season in general. Like I don't know that they were fine. They were okay. They need a better number two. I mean, it's hard to imagine it could get worse. And that's the thing, you know, where the Mrazic, and I don't want to just, like, it was like the one mistake the front office made. They had, like, such a good offseason. Well, Richie. Richie was not a. Yeah, but they disappeared that right away, and it didn't didn't really hurt them. Still had to pay something, but yeah, fair. They did a good job with that trade, no question. The thing with Richie with paying him is that he still had value around the league. The, the biggest problem is if you miss in free agency and you you sign someone that no one wants, like that's. I mean, they did have to like the, they did have to pay an asset. They, now they got Labushkin back, but it's not like he came. They just were able to give him away. But yeah, anyway, James, like let, let's take a break because I th- I think we've kind of skipped over maybe the central question now after another first round exit is like why should they continue to stick with the core that they have. I think you and I both agree on this, but let's like, let's bat that around and and discuss it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer. If you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James. So, I mean, you're going to hear people, I would think. I mean, media people, I guess is what I'm referring to, who say break this team up or like trade one of their I haven't seen pieces. a lot of that though, Jonas. I like Not to cut you off, but I haven't seen a whole lot of that so far. I'm sure you will. Most people seem to be saying it makes sense to run this back again. Okay, so let's let's in, get in into it. Form. Why does it make sense? Because the team was really good. That's it. 
because they're better than the year before, because you have a lot of smart people in positions to continue to make make them better. Let me play devil's advocate. I don't believe this, but let me play devil's advocate. Like, how many times can you keep running back the same core group that, for various reasons, like some good, some not as good, hasn't gotten past the first round? Like, why would you continue to keep doing it? I don't think you are running back the same group, though. I mean, like... You're, if you keep four or five players the same, that's not running back the same group. It's, like if we're talking about back, trading I said, Muzzin I said and having two different, the same core. If, but 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 if it's a if the team is fundamentally different and you believe that your front office is going to continue to find ways to improve it, then it doesn't really matter if to me it doesn't really matter, especially if the core played well. I mean, the one player that I would contemplate trading if you could would be John Tavares. No one wants to talk about it, but. He's no, slowed that's down. not true. No one wants to talk about it. That's something. Well, people just don't talk about it because he's got the no movement clause and he's the captain. And, and he has a you know, massive it, cap it and he's it, It's kind of a taboo subject almost, it feels like. Like people tap dance around it. But I mean, like if he didn't have the no movement clause, would you would you think about moving him? And I think that the logical answer is yes. Yeah. But like the, the other part of it is like, would you, would you be able to move a contract like well, that? Well, the cash on his deal is is real low the last three years. Once the once you pay the signing bonus in on July 1 this year. There's not a lot of money left on the deal. He's only making, I believe he's only making like 5.8 or something a year the last three years of the contract. I mean, I think there's a world where if he doesn't have the no no move that he's movable. Okay, but so th- like that that's part of this conversation. Like, should that be something that they explore? But if you, if you, if you can't move him, then what are you exploring? It's that you're, explore- you're exploring the impossibility? You're exploring his interest around the league. And then if there's a deal that comes up. I would be surprised if they do that, but. Yeah, like that's a that's a hornet's nest. Like he's a, as pro as it gets. Like he is like, if you say like, what is the most professional player you've ever been around? It's, a, it's probably John Tavares. But you start doing that and then you have to go to him. And then it's like, well, what if he says he doesn't want to leave and he's your captain? It's like, it's a very uncomfortable yes. situation that's, the what, other part that's is, why i'm saying people don't want to talk about it and it's taboo and things like that because you know and i'm sure when kyle dubas and sheldon keith and people talk they're going to be defending john Tavares and like he's going to be someone that gets talked about but it's just it's nothing against john Tavares. like i think i absolutely believe he's putting every single thing he has out on the ice every night he's playing like it he's emptying the tank it's just the tank isn't as full as it was three years ago well and the the contributions don't al- align with what he makes like he he makes 13 and a half percent of the cap and when like you look at a team like the lightning like how many how many players on that team are overpaid if any well Is there anyone on that team that has a bad contract some might say they have a, an advantage in terms of where they play with some of those contracts but so kucherov's not stamkos is not I looked at it last night. I don't think they have any bad contracts there. I mean, like unless you unless you want to say like Palat or Kalorn is like a little bit below where they should be or something. I mean, eventually that McDonough contract probably won't look great. The Vasilevsky, uh, well, eventually probably. <laughs> I mean, if you win a two cups and a Vesna trophy, and you know, like you can, you can afford you can to live, make some you, yeah longer term bets. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's I I think what what would be. I think what I would do if I were them is I would explore like how do we make him better or how do we use him in a in a way that actually aligns with who he is today and obviously like you and I have talked about it like over a year it's like do you move him to the wing like 
do you, I, I think clearly they need another top six forward. Can you play him and Nylander together like that? They basically went away from that down the stretch. They got them back together in the playoffs at points, but like, is that workable? I don't know. Do you do you move him back with Marner? Yeah, I mean, is that something that they have to question. get more comfortable with? Yeah, good question. Matthews has been so was so good during the season. He probably would have. I don't. I don't know. Like, I understand why you want Matthews and Marner playing together, but I think the issue is like you can't have that line be a what's the word? Um, like losing all their minutes or not all their minutes, but losing their well, nightly matchup like every single night. So in the series, their expected goal share at even strength for with Tavares on the ice was forty point eight percent, which is just bad. The only forwards lower than that were Colin Blackwell and Wayne Simmons. Yeah, and now what they did, I thought, which was smart as a series, like the latter part of the series, is they worked to get him out for more offensive zone faceoffs. Um, so it, it almost felt like Jonas they were using him in a defensive role for long parts of the series. Like well, you know, because de- they they. They don't want. They want to give as many offensive zone draws as they can to Matthews, right? Like you get that, but the problem is Tavares led lines can't really handle it. So, like maybe what I was thinking is like maybe you get a center who can play between Tavares and Neander, or maybe you decide what you're talking about. Maybe you go into next season saying we're not going to play Matthews and Marner together. We're going to give Marner to Tavares and try to. T- Tavares' best games this season were when Matthews was out in the lineup and he was playing with Bunting and Marner. He, he looked a lot better. And now maybe that was the opponent or maybe it was just a short burst, or, but those were the best games that he played during the regular season. Anyway, I, I, here's the thing I would say, Jonas, is that like I, I think you should bring the front office back, but they have to be committed to making really being really brutally honest about what they have on this team and where they can get better and what they need to do. Well, and, and, and he's, that's gonna, he's the biggest part of that, isn't he? And like, Muzzin's, Muzzin's another one too. Muzzin has a full no trade. So if you want to trade Muzzin, you've got to you got to be really brutal in making that happen. He doesn't have a no trade list. He has, you can't trade me. So <laughs> he doesn't have the, uh, what Muzzin doesn't have is a no move. So you could say to him like, you know, you're not part of our plans. You know, we're going to put you on waivers and you're going to end up wherever. Or you can, or you can give us a list of teams you're willing to be traded to. I, I think you're right. I think you have to kind of be a little cutthroat. You be cutthroat. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard, like, but but you're at that point now, right? You have to be kind of. I think they will be. I mean, in in theory, James, like you could could say, you know what? Should we trade Neander? I just don't see how that makes you a better team. Like, you could trade him for a defenseman in theory, but then like you look at their forward group, and it's like, and and look at how he's played. Like, look at it, his regular season. I thought was good, not great, but like he really took a another leap in the playoffs. I thought as the series rolled along, so. You know what my problem is with some of that conversation is then you're starting to get into where you're dismantling a team that is so good. Yeah. You're you're dismantling a 115-point team. And you're trading the guy who's 26 and you're to to keep the guy who's going to be 32 next fall, you know? The only thing I would worry about with Nylander is that his contract's up in two years. And I don't know if you're going to be able to afford what the next contract's going to be. Yeah. But you don't necessarily need to make that decision this summer. But you probably need to make it next summer. I mean, you're probably going to lose him in UFA, right? So you, maybe if there's, I mean, what's he what's he going to get? Nine million, eight eight seven five. Like he's, they're not going to be able to fit that in, Jonas, with what Matthews is going to get. Yeah, but maybe by then you've figured out like, can can you have Tavares making eleven million on your cap two years from now? 
when he like no. what is he going to look like when he's 34? I mean, this was always the thing with the Tavares contract that we probably didn't spend enough time on, but this was why like winning in the early part of his contract was so essential because like his value in terms of like what he contributes based on what he makes is just going to get lower and lower. I feel like Leafs fans are like coming into this podcast depressed and we're making it worse. This is a real, I mean, no, this is, this is a really good team. And that's why we're saying this, that you keep this together because they had 115 points in the regular season with like spotty goaltending for like what? Two thirds of the season. Well, their numbers from their backups were just brutal. And, he, and, brutal. and not to mention their starter for, for two and a half months was among the I was least gonna, effective in the league. I was going to I, I was gonna say this earlier in the show. If they would have had better backup goaltending, Jonas, they potentially win the division. Yes. They play Washington in the first round. And yes. if they play as well as they did against Tampa, they would win that series. And it's a different conversation. So Yes, for sure. I mean, that's the thing. Like, that's what's really, that's why I kind of feel for, not kind of like I feel for Leaf fans today. I feel for that team is like they had it. They built. They've built a really good team, and like they just in certain areas they were a little deficient, and it cost them. Like they're playing an awesome team in the first round, and you lose. Sports. The reason why you have to be brutally honest is that there's a cap. Players are getting older. Just saying, run it back. Like for one thing, Jonas, running this whole roster back is impossible. Like there's no way you can make it work. Like, there's no way you can bring everyone back. Well, and you wouldn't want to. Like, there are parts of the roster that they shouldn't bring back, right? Like, I think the guys that they're going to have to have conversations on, like, we mentioned Muzzin, we mentioned Campbell, we mentioned, I mean, Tavares, we're not expecting, like, anything, but Spezza, Clifford is is signed for nothing. Like, he'll be back as just yeah, kind of an extra he, Marley. He can of, play in the Marleys, yeah. I mean, Wayne Simmons, Wayne Simmons is, 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 is under contract. Yeah. Yep. And then they're going to need new contracts for Engvall, for Kasha, for Lilligren, for Sandine. So, I mean, Mikheyev. to all be... Mikheyev, well, I don't see any way they're going to be able to bring him back. I mean, it's a great regular season. But I, I just think Mikheyev's going to get too much money in free agency. I would rather pay someone who can actually play in their top six. Now, you can say, well, he can play in your top six. I'm still not... Convince you? I would say McKeev's postseason was a little bit underwhelming. I would agree. I mean, one of the things like you and I talked about during the game, James, is like he Tampa just didn't give him any of the, those breakaways. Like his speed just wasn't really a factor in the series for the most part. Like Tampa kind of after that first game, they really shut off all the or not all, but yeah. a lot of the the rush chances, right? Yeah, and if you and if McKeev doesn't have those, he was having a hard time making something of with the chances that were still available to him. Yeah, like he's not like he's a playmaker or anything like that, and he's not like a. Give him credit; like he's made himself into a. He's a really good player. Well, I mean, I think if you could bring him back for two and a half million or whatever, you do it. But I just think in free agency, he's going to be a guy that's like closer to $4 million. And again, you try and make the math work on that. I mean, maybe some people listening would say, you know, like trade Kerfoot or whatever. And it's not impossible, but it's, it's, it's tough. He had a tough series Kerfoot. Yeah, he did. It looked like he was like overthinking things or the tough thing is like he, he gives you everything he's got. And like, I don't know. There's, you appreciate that 
but some decision-making at certain times really hurt. We didn't get a chance to really talk to him or hear from him just with the way that the access is right now. Well, but he was he was requested after that game six and was not made available. So yeah. Unfortunately, we can't, we couldn't understand, like we couldn't get into why, what he was thinking on those plays. Like it, it looks pretty clear what he was thinking on the first giveaway. And then obviously the penalty on Hedman is like, that's tough. That's a tough one to take. But well, and I, what I was going to say is that I think it it rattled him a little bit. I like Kerfoot. I like I like Kerfoot like as a person, and I think that he had a sure. good regular season. And yeah, me too. I would not be against him coming back, but not a good postseason. And he makes three and a half million dollars, and you're going to be really tight. Yeah, it's um, okay, Jonas. It'll be it'll be all right. Yeah, it's hey, it's, the, it's sunny outside. It's a beautiful day. Summertime in Toronto. Uh, do you want to take a break and then get into the pod bag? I think you said we have a lot of questions. There are over 100 questions for the first time ever, so that's going to be interesting. Countdown. All right, we'll come back. We'll do the pod bag. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, James, uh, it is pod bag time. A reminder to support your local businesses, support your local restaurants. It's a takeaway day for me, James, 100%. I have no interest in cooking anything. We're getting takeaway. Takeaway? Are you, are you British? Well, isn't that a, yeah, it's isn't a, a British, British thing. Yeah, it's what we say in our house. I like it better than takeout. Should we do? Can we talk with accents and like just use British slang the rest of the show? You can do whatever you want. <laughs> For sure, I like the Scottish. My my the the Maritals are are from from Scotland, so I like the Scottish accent. I love better. the Scottish accent. I should I should make people pronounce my last name with Scottish. James Maritol. Do you like? Are you a big Connery guy? Oh yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah. I really want to go to Scotland. Well, I've been to. I was at London for the Olympics, but. I would love to to visit Scotland. My family came from Inverness, which is in the Highlands, oh. and that's all the all the big people up in the the north of Scotland. I've been to Inverness in Canada. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's named after the one yeah. the real Inverness. The real Inverness is a town. I think it's about fifty thousand people, and it's kind of it's it's the it's I think it's the biggest city in the Highlands of Scotland, wow. which tells you what the Highlands are like. Hey James, you know who's a free agent at center? Nazem uh, Kadri. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh I don't know if they're gonna be I don't know if they're gonna be able to make that contract work. I do not think so. All right. I don't think he's gonna sign for four and a half million again. No. I do think though that Kadri's a good candidate to be like the Jason Spezza when he's like at the end of his career to like come back and be like a third, fourth line center for the Leafs. I I, I would love to see that. And just be the veteran leader. Yeah. <laughs> he's thirty nine, <laughs> hasn't won the cup yet. Learned his lessons, comes that. back, plays plays in the playoffs, doesn't take any suspensions, scores a big goal. We should mention James. Like I really, I I feel for for Jason Spezza. Like that just kind of breaks your heart a little bit. Like you know how much it actually means to him. I was thinking watching, you, you know, him devastated on the ice, and maybe maybe the cup that he ends up winning is as a coach or in the front office or something like that. Yeah, I think he'd be. Good in either role. All right, pod bag time. What do you got? 
Pod bag. Uh, Tristan says, I'm not as disappointed as previous years. Is that because the Leafs played better or am I dead inside? <laughs> I think I think people feel better about this team in general. And they should. They should. The team is better. They They acquitted themselves better. You don't want a team to feel like they left something on the table and it doesn't feel like they left anything on the table. Like they, they had things that they didn't do well enough, but like you can't really argue with their effort or like you go back to that Montreal series. It was like that team shouldn't be able to beat you at all, let alone like they did. I mean, I kind of think like I was thinking like who wins the cup now? If, if I was picking anyone, I, like I might pick Tampa. I mean, it's hard to three in a row. Well, What's Colorado. Time three? Yeah, like Colorado is obviously the other candidate, but it's like if I'm picking a team out of the East, I'd, I'd probably pick Tampa. Carolina looked good in the first round, the games that I saw. Um, yeah, I don't trust Yeah, the, I could see. The the, I mean, the, lightning, the points hurt. Kucherov's not himself. He's not himself, and he had like nine points in the series. Well, he just seemed, I don't know, he had some sort of ailment there the last couple of I mean, he wasn't especially notable in, in game seven. I just, if Tampa's healthy, then I agree with you. They're just, I don't know that they're going to be healthy enough to, to pull it off. I mean, I, I could see the Panthers pushing past them in round two. All right. That's your pick. I'm picking Tampa. Again, there's going to be a lot of questions about officiating. This one from Vincent is, it's basically its own article, so I can't read the whole thing. Um, Can you paraphrase? You know, he, uh, he didn't like the officiating. Yeah. He says, I was disappointed on the last podcast that you dismissed the officiating. We're not saying that there aren't calls that are missed. No, but there are calls that are missed against the Leafs. Like, it's not like... I don't know if people are going to be ready for this message, but like, you know, they're, like they're, people are clipping GIFs of the calls that don't go the Leafs' way, but they don't do it on the other side. Like, do we yes. really think that there's like some sort of conspiracy against the Leafs and the officials are... They did not lose the, the series because of officiating. They didn't. And if you, if you think plays, that, then like you're not really being honest about what actually happened. The, I don't the think. power plays were were relatively even during the series, and the Leafs couldn't score in the power play. I mean, yeah, that's it, James. Tampa scored on 21 percent of their power plays. I think they had seven power play goals. The Leafs had four, and that's it. And I, I would say too that the Lightning are very, very good at the kind of like subtle interference and things like that. That they they know where that line is really, really well, and they play to that line. There were a couple plays like there should have been a penalty on foot when he held up. Nylander's got a clear breakaway around him. Like the, the he's bobbled the puck and the puck's going the other way and foot gets his arms up in his sure. face. Like that should be a penalty. Mm -hmm. There should have been more calls in game seven in general. Yeah. But like then you can go back to the beginning of the series and say like one of the mistakes I think they made and this was Sheldon Keefe's decision was playing those guys on the fourth line early in the series who I mean you. It didn't cost them in game one, but it cost them in game two. The Leafs need a little bit more probably functional toughness as opposed to like the guys that can't play that are tough. I mean, this I remember I remember writing that over and over again back in like 2012. They were doing the same thing. Like you need you need you want to get tougher. Get players like Corey Perry. Jake Muzzin or whatever that can actually play. Well, remember James, like when when so they signed Wayne Simmons on the first day of free agency, correct? From what I recall, when they first signed him. Mm-hmm. Corey Perry didn't sign until December. Remember? Like he was just out there and no one signed him. And then Montreal signed him in like the end of December for 750 grand. He was just out there. And like he had just come off this really great cup run with 
not cup run, but run to the, the cup final with Dallas. And it was like, I don't know, like he was just sitting there and he he would have brought functionality to that position in a way that I think Simmons did not in the end for all like the other good things that he brought to the Leafs. Yeah. I mean, like I said, there's, you know, people are, Leafs fans feel Tampa got away with too much interference in the series in general. And then for Hall to, for Hall to get called on an interference play where a goal was scored. What do you think of that? Did you think it was a penalty? I think it's, yeah, I think it was a penalty. Yeah. I think Sorelli probably is able to get to Tavares and yes. I'd have to I'd have I mean Tavares to, is I, not that open if if that doesn't happen. Right? But it's it, And he probably doesn't score the goal, right? Like there's a line where like you can you can be in the way and it's not a pick and where it's a where it is a pick and it's it's a thin line. You can't really step in the way. Right. Which makes it a pick. But then again, like later in the game, Foot does it to Nylander and they don't call it. So like, I, I understand why people are frustrated. I just don't think that officiating is why they lost the series. I mean, the other part that we didn't mention is like in game six and seven, Vasilevsky was better than Campbell. Like Campbell wasn't bad at all. But like Vasilevsky was just a little better. And he's the best goalie in the world. So like, what are you going to do? Tristan, I don't know if this is the same Tristan again, but there's another question people want us to answer. Uh, Keith said some iffy stuff in this series. Why was he happy with the split after game four? I don't think he was happy they lost that game. I mean, I was kind of trying to put, trying to like cast forward that we're in a good spot. Spin. Uh, the other thing that Tristan didn't like is when Keith last night cited the respect in the handshake line comment. That almost to me, Jonas, correct me if I'm wrong, that I read that kind of as like it was a bit of a dig at the way Montreal treated them after the series ended or something. Yeah, I kind of read it the same way. Whereas Tampa, I think, was, you know, very like classy and talked a lot about how good the Leafs were. Well, yeah. I mean, you can imagine from Montreal's perspective, you're not, I mean, in that handshake line, you're not feeling like super impressed, I guess, by the Leafs. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Tampa's just won back to back cops and this this team that's like desperate to to break through gives them everything they have and like right like I could see it being a little different that way. So Tristan, like Tristan says, is Keith just babysitting a mentally fragile team, or is he the reason? And I think he's I think you're reading into that a little bit too much. I think it's almost like a comment about. Well, he does have a job to do with those those press conferences. Is it's the message that you want to get to the team. Like as much as he talks to the team directly, whatever he says to the media is what ends up getting back to the players. So if you put a positive spin on what happened in a lot of situations, like why wouldn't you do that? You know what I mean? Like it's a playoff series. You kind of want them to not feel like they blew it. You know what I mean? I, I actually think that Sheldon Keefe's done a really good job with the media in the job. Like it, and it sounds crazy to to say that, but it was something that Ron Wilson and Randy Carlyle both really struggled with, and they would say things that would get them in trouble, and or they were would compound difficult issues that were happening with the team. And I that really hasn't happened with Keefe as the coach. He got better in the second year, I think, and I guess even more so this year. We should have like music under the like for these pauses when you're looking for a question. 
Well, I'm just trying to like make sure that we're not like, there's some people that are just like swearing and <laughs> yeah, don't want know. that. There's some really long kind of people pouring their hearts out in the, like, ideally when we ask for podcast questions, just leave a question. Don't leave like a novel. Because anyway, I'm going to have to start on days like today. I'm going to have to vet these ahead of time and pick out the ones that we want to answer. Zachary says, his question is, is it seriously time to consider moving Tavares and making Matthews the captain? We, we did talk about, about that. that. I mean, we the, talked that about a, a little bit. The yeah. captain thing will be interesting at some point. I don't think it's now, but I think it will happen before Tavares's contract runs out. I just I don't know if they go that route this year, and that's not anyone telling me that. I just my gut intuition is that at some point that's they're going to do that. Well, and they all talk about it pretty clearly that Matthews is the leader of the team. I mean, that's something even Tavares has basically said. Uh, and and I think to Tavares's credit, like he has, he's he's been he's been like a team player about the fact that he's not oh, yeah. the top dog anymore. I yeah. have nothing yeah. but respect for like how he handles his business. Like as much as like we can pick apart some of the on ice stuff, which is our job, he is like as pro as it gets. Like I don't like I know I've said that a couple times, but I that's just the interactions that we've had with him. Like he's never anything but like what you would want him to be if you were the team which is why the situation is like a little bit uncomfortable uh dustin says it really sucks doing this every year i don't see how the team is going to get better by getting rid of matthews marner or nylander i also don't see how they're going to be better by keeping them given their new contracts are needed for campbell mckayev kasha giordano was this the best team the core four will ever have? Some people talked that way last year. And, and the year before that. Like, and the year before uh, that. You know, how are they going to... And the team's gotten better both the last two years. So yeah. is it going to be hard to do? Yes. But can... Is it impossible for them to get better with the money that they were spending on the players that are leaving? And you clear that that Mrazic contract and potentially you trade Muzzin. Is it impossible for them to get better? I don't think so. It's no, hard. I remember us... Or it being a subject like when Matthews, Marner, Neilander, I guess Matthews and Marner especially were still in their entry level deals. And the the thought was like, did they miss their chance? Like, is the team never going to be better than this? And like, I'm just looking back at that team. So that's 18, 19. Is that right? 16, 17, 17, 18. Yeah, 18, 19. They're still an entry level. That team is just not as good. But that's not, that's not just like, that's a different actually no that's this front office but like that's their first year anyway yeah i think you're right like the, we think the team is not going to be able to get better and then like they find ways to get better well they that's find the Michael job Bunting. that's the job but like, that's part yeah. of that's part of why i would bring kyle dubas back is that i believe that he's the right person to try and i mean he's done it the last two years do it again make this team even better make the hard decisions move on from the players who you feel like are going to decline find more players like bunting camp Figure out goaltending. Figure it out. Don't you can't miss on a goalie again. Yeah, you can't. Well, what do you think is the the Campbell situation like? What do you? What are your plans for him if you're them? I think that in free agency, he's probably going to cost at minimum four million, and it's going to be term, and it's going to be like that's a it's going to be a really difficult decision for the Leafs to make. Well, what? Do, but so I guess I'm asking you: Do you trust him? Like, do you want to commit to that? Do you have a choice? 
I might like just take a look at the options before I make that decision. And I, you know, Pierre Lebrun did a good story at the Athletic, kind of looking at the goaltending options. And you know, there's Marc Andre Fleury who's getting up there. Darcy Kemper would be enticing, but he's going to get a big contract. I think you just you really want to look at the landscape and see who might see who might potentially be available. And it might be one of those ones where you you play chicken a little bit and you go to free agency and see what Campbell's what he's looking for. And that's kind of I think where they're going to have to go. You talked about trading for a goalie, but then you know you get into you're gonna have to give up assets, and I don't. There's no there's no Vasilevsky out there for them to get. Well, I mean, like I I mentioned Gibson. Like I don't know what you have to trade for Gibson. Like given his contract, I don't know. Anyway, something they can consider. Dead air. Well, I'm just I'm <laughs> sorry. I was, that you're ready for another question. I am. No, I, I'm not blaming you. It's just dead air is, is death. Yeah. Well, you can fill it. Okay. I'm sure you got. Stop. I'm sure you got a story about what kind of a Danish or croissant you ate in the last few days. Oh man. Are you going to miss traveling uh, in the playoffs? Uh, I love Toronto. Did, like, did you, did you that. want? Did you want it to keep going? Sure. Yeah. One of the questions we got is like, I know you said like you're you're impartial and you know James is from BC and whatever. But don't mm-hmm. you like kind of wish there'd be a different storyline to write? It's like it would be nice, I don't know, but it, like it doesn't really change the job, right? You still, you know, like we just do our job. We cover. We're the trying team. to just we're trying to do the uh, we're trying to be fair and and accurate and and write interesting stories and talk about. We try and talk about it from the perspective of the front office, like how how would they look at at improving this team and. And I find that interesting, you know, whether whether they they win or they lose. And I mean, frankly, I wouldn't know how to cover the Leafs if they won the Stanley Cup. I mean, it would you'd probably just be like, you know, you'd be writing about how great a job they did, you know, and they made history. And it would certainly be interesting if we ever it ever comes to that. I've covered the Stanley Cup final. You you've been to the Stanley Cup Tom finals yeah, too, a few right? Times, you yeah. did, yeah. And and you know, so like I've covered. LA, New York in the final. I've covered Chicago, Tampa in the final, 2014, 2015. You know, and I wrote about those teams and I wrote about interesting stories and I did did feature stories and some of the players involved and and I, and I love doing it. So whether it's the Leafs or whether it's, uh, you know, other teams, you know, I, I don't think that we really approach it that differently. We know the Leafs better because we're around them more, but it's... I, I, I feel for the Leaf fans though. Like that's, that's the only thing. Like for their well, sake... their fault. No, but for their sake, I like for them to be able to see a different result. But like to us, it's the same. Like it's hard. Like being a fan is, there's a reason it's called being a fan. Like you're a fanatic and it's hard going through this like again and again and again. And like you're attached to the team and like. Uh, Andrew B has a number of questions, but the big takeaway is what key changes would you make to the roster for next year? There's a big overarching one. I mean, we've talked through a lot of those things, but you, you seem to want to lean in on finding more help on defense. I kind of lean more. I mean, we're like, so it's not that long since the game ended and their season ended, but like, I kind of would want to give Sandy or Logan a chance in the top four and really maybe invest more up front or in goal. Okay. But so, so answer me this question, pretend this series could either of those guys play in the top four in a series like that. 
No, but they're, I, mean, I mean, like, look at their age and their trajectory. Like, they're getting better every year. And, like, Sandine. So, look ahead of year. Do you think, like, I'm not, like, I'm not yeah. saying either way. So, you're yeah, saying. I think like, Sandine can play in the top four next year. Yeah. So, you're saying, like, so a Riley pair is, is probably not going. Well, I guess it, it, it might go against top line. But so, you're comfortable with either of those guys. Like, you think you can be okay if they're going head to head with Kucherov. Like, you think they're, they're good enough. Well, I. At some point, at some point, Sandine's going to be a top four D. I don't know if it's next year or not. It might be. I mean, he he played some difficult minutes this year. I mean, he played a lot on the third pair, but his results were so good on the third pair in the games that he played. He didn't get talked about a lot, but that you know, Sandine's a player that they were missing. I mean, they could have played him over some of the other players that were getting minutes. I mean, the the tricky thing is is that the right side is where they're really weak. You know, if Sandine was a right shot, I think the conversation would be a lot different. I just think that I don't know if I want to block those guys and not give them any opportunity. You know, we're going to be having the same conversation next year. If they only play on the third pair and they don't get an opportunity to play against tough competition, be like, well, can they do it or not? Well, they did get well, why opportunities. Why don't we see? That's not true. Why don't they we did, see? They did get opportunities. Well, Sandine didn't get a whole lot of opportunities against no, outside of the third pair. He did, actually, he played pretty well. Like, he played with Justin Hall for a bit and... Right. That, that actually So I well. would give him an opportunity, be, not only because I think that he might be able to do it, but also because your cap situation, I think that it's going to free you up to do some other interesting things. And if you determine at midseason or by the trade deadline that he can't do it, you acquire another defenseman. I think one of the interesting picture questions with him is like, once you get to the playoffs, can he play in those kinds of minutes? Because like we've seen smaller D sometimes struggle in the playoffs. Like it just gets a little harder and like the teams with bigger defense men. I don't know. That's something like that's, that's swirling in the back of my mind. Like he had a terrific year and yet anyway, that's a big picture question that eventually we'll figure out. So this, this next question from Derek leads into that. It's, he says, uh, what coverage can we expect on the Leafs in the off season? I mean, we're going to, we're going to be active, especially here in the next little while. Oh, maybe, you know, it's, you know, lead into the draft and free agency. A lot of yeah, I mean, the draft's going to be busy for them, James. They got a lot going. If well, they, lots of trades and things happen at the draft. Yeah, they um, they have a lot of contracts to sign. I mean, how many between RFA's and UFA's? What do they have? Like nine, ten players that they need to decide on. So we're going to be writing about we're going to be writing about that. I mean, it depends who you who you include in that mix, but four RFA's anyway of consequence. Um, a lot of coverage of that. And then, you know, what we like to do too is when they acquire the new players, we like to go deep on that and write about those players. So I don't I don't expect there's going to be a drop-off in coverage. I mean, we were already talking last night and this morning with with our colleague Joshua Cloak about what we're going to be doing. I know Pierre Lebrun has a Leaf story coming. I know uh, Down Goes Brown, Sean McIndoe has a Leaf story coming. I saw that that just came into the system. It's going to be lots of stuff. Is there anything you're excited to dig in on? I know you, you usually do like a, a nice rundown of like the off-season priorities that I think will be, I'm looking forward to reading whenever you get that done. Indeed. First, I need to sleep. <laughs> sleep is for the week, Jonas. Scott wants to know what, what happened to the PP and what do you change? Like how do you adjust when when that happens? I mean, that's it's almost a question we should be asking some other coaching staffs about what they did wrong there. Well, they're going to have to figure out what what's a what to do when teams cut off Matthews and, and cut off Marner to a degree as well. I mean, they might have to figure out like whether Riley should be the quarterback of their 
first power play or is it Sandine? Is it someone else? Someone who's going to shoot the puck more? I don't know. <laughs> Robert says, no questions. Just use the same ones you got last year. Frankly, there's still no good answers. <laughs> I, I I think that the fan base was so dejected after losing last year the way that they did, like being up 3-1 and blowing that against Montreal, division rival who would, did not have a very good team. It feels like there's like at least people are like a little bit, they don't hate the team the way that they did last year. Like I even wondered, like are people still going to read the stories or are fans going to come back to the team after last year? There were a lot of fans that saying, I'm done. And what do they say in the Godfather 3, James? <laughs> what, can you do it? You got an impression? No, I can't do it. But you know what he says, right? Just when I think I'm out, what do they do? They pull me back in. Is that right? Thank you. Yeah. Bad movie, but good line. I like. Well, I liked when Sill in, in The Sopranos would, would, he would, he would like do the impression of that. Yeah. Do you remember that? Well, because that's when like De Niro going or Pacino going ham. Yeah. Just when I think I'm out. Yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. But. If you haven't seen The Sopranos, you haven't seen Godfather 1 or 2, pause the podcast and go watch all that and then come back. Yeah, just don't bother with 3. What do they need to do to keep Jack Campbell? I I think that's going to be a tough negotiation. I mean, if you're if my, my sense is he wants to come back. Oh, so yeah. they've got that working they've got that working for them. Like I think he'll take less, but I just don't know what the open market's going to be for him. His season was such a weird year with how good he was in the first half and then the injuries and then... I mean, you would think opposing teams would have the same questions about him that the Leafs would, in theory, have, right? But to counter that, Jonas, Mrazek gets a three-year deal at $3.8 million as a free agent. Yes, like, that's the bar. Campbell, Campbell has to be worth more than that. Has to be. Coming off a year where Mrazek had played 12 games and was hurt almost the whole season... So I, I think the absolute floor on Campbell is like four by four or something like that. And this, he's probably getting more than that. I mean, I guess part of the question is which teams, how many teams need goalies? Like I'm just looking like Edmonton will need goalies. There's a bunch like Washington ran into some issues in net in goal this year. Yeah. A lot of teams don't. I don't know. I, I don't know what Minnesota's going to do. Jersey. Yeah. Well, New Jersey. There's an example like I could, could see like New Jersey is going to be desperate to add a goaltender because... I mean, that maybe you trade for a goalie, James. Like, I'm just looking at New York. Like, maybe you trade for Varlamov. I don't know if that's a better option. He's mm. older. $5 million he had, pretty, he had a pretty He had a pretty solid season. All right. Jason says, you and Jonas have always noted statistically a player's at their peak between ages 22 and 25. My question is, has the Leafs window closed? We know from experience our core four can't do it on their own. Since we've already wasted six years of the Matthews era, trading away most of our picks in the process, there's no help on the way. We can't rely on free agency to hit home runs on league minimum contracts. We need some entry level com- contributors. They really do need. They really need some forwards to give them the depth on entry level deals. Like they need a Nick Robertson or, I mean, give me another name. They they need nice they need some other, They need someone to be like a third line contributor from that group, and I yeah. don't know that they're there yet this year. Yeah, it doesn't feel like you can pencil in Robertson for the Leafs next year, I don't think. He did start to make strides in the HL towards the end. Like, I, th- I think he's, he's going to be an so NHL player. Young. I just, yeah, he's still very, very young. I mean, he won't be 21 until September. I guess the question is, do you think they can find more buntings and camps and, and players like that? I think it's really hard. 
I mean, look in past years when they tried to do the same thing and came up empty. It's hard. Like, it's hard when you don't have a lot of money. Well, all the other teams are trying to do the same thing, right? Yeah. And, like, Bunting is Bunting is a unique circumstance. Like, he's also from here. He has a connection with Dubas and Keefe and wants to play for the Leafs. Camp, like, that's a home run, right? So, they just, they're going to have to, they're going to have to take, like, the 1.6 million they get from Mikheyev and... I think they need to spend a little bit more up front. They're going to have to like carve out whether it's the Muzzin money or the Mrazic money. Yeah, or, I think they something. need another like legit top six forward, I think, would be my right. yeah. argument. Well, we were talking about them acquiring that at the trade deadline, and it just it made more sense to add on defense, but there was still a need there. Like we, That's why we talked about like JT Miller and things like that, because it didn't feel like they had quite enough. Yeah, and the thing is, if you had another piece, you wouldn't necessarily even have to play them in the top six. You could move them down to the third line, and all you know, you could. But making the making the math work on all that is, I'll have a piece on the cap situation soon, probably in the next few days. But that's that's where the the brutally honest and difficult decisions are going to come in. All right, James, I'm giving you one more, one more. All right, there is so much in here. It's just like, and thank you to everyone for get, sending in your questions, and thank you for doing it all year. Max says, I know we'd feel the same way if our third line stepped up in big moments at the end of the series, like they did at the beginning. What makes Tampa particularly good at filling out their depth? I mean, they've been one of the best drafting teams in the league. By it's far. probably the, the, best. the best. They've been the, you know, with Al Murray there, and they've done a great job of finding talent going back 10 years. They've done a great job. I mean, look at the Kucherov pick point. There's... I'm looking the at their roster, list. James. Like mostly, like obviously, Stamkos and Edmund are first round picks. Kucherov is not. Point is not. Palat is not. Sorelli is not. I don't believe Kalorn is. Is Kalorn a first round pick? No, he, no, no he's he a, was like I think he was third. He's a yeah. third round pick. Chernak, Chernak, they found. Sergachev was a master trade. Um, but part of what you want your scouts to do is to be able to do some pro scouting too, and look at what other teams have and their prospects. And when you make a trade like the one they made, where they got Chernak, is that your your scouts can say, "Yeah, that guy's good." Well, and then they, like they signed Bellamar in free agency. He's a good fourth liner. Maroon, obviously, they've had a while. Perry, yeah, they're the best. I mean, you- the Tampa is just a smart team, you know. And I don't know what they're doing with analytics and everything. Like, they, it seems like they keep it pretty quiet, but they're definitely interested and invested in it and. They, they unearth good players year after year. And players want to go play there. They, they want to go play there for the weather. They want to go play there for the tax situation. They want to go play there to win. Look at the contract that Bogosian signed there, like three years at basically league minimum. I mean, it's when you win, you start to acquire talent. And the, the Leafs have like done fairly well in terms of players wanting to come to Toronto and play here. That's been one of the things that's been working for them. They're going to have to really continue to leverage that in free agency. Indeed. All right, well. You and I are running on fumes. I think we both had like five or six hours sleep or something last night. So uh, we're going to do another podcast, I believe, later this week. So this isn't the end. Uh, maybe after we, we're going to hear from from Dubas and, and Keith and, and the players and the exit interviews probably on Monday. Um, you know, maybe as we have time to kind of digest this and think about it a little bit more. But I think that, I think it's going to kind of evolve uh, how we feel about what happened this season and how we feel about what they should do in the off season. Seconded. So thank you to everyone for listening. I know most people listening are probably pretty upset about the way things planned out. Obviously not the result the Leafs wanted, not the result they wanted. 
Um, but it's still a really good team. And like they, I mean, you just want to be in the mix year after year. I mean, look around at some different fan bases and teams and there are worse situations to be in, aren't there, James? Yeah. I mean, you know, when you and I started covering this team, they're a laughingstock organization and they're not that anymore. And <laughs> I mean, maybe some people, other people would disagree, but you know, there, there's a really good foundation here. And, you know, people are saying is, is the window closed? I, it's not closed. It's not. Because, you know, if they want, the team can be quite similar next year. Yeah. And, and like, even like James, like you, you pointed this out to me when I, I brought up the Matthews and Neander contracts, they can just sign those guys, right? Like just because they're up in a couple years, they can extend them before they, they're up. They can sign them when they're up. Like, just because there's that that clock doesn't mean those guys are gone. Obviously, you would think that they need to have some success. Well, look at Tampa. I mean, look look how old Stamkos is. You know, he signs his extension, and then that's when they won, right? It wasn't over after his first contract. You know, and Stamkos has, has declined, and he's, what is he, 31 years old now. And, you know, he's been around for a long period of time. But you're, they're still a great team, and they're still winning. There's no reason why the Leafs couldn't continue to win until Matthews is 31, 32 years old. Yeah. There's no reason why they can't. But you just need the front office to continue to make smart decisions and that, that don't hurt you down the line. And you have to draft really well, better than they have. Yeah, I mean, the Leafs whiffed on a whole bunch of drafts in the, you know, 2014, 2015, 2016. 2017. Uh, 20, 2017. You know, and then they started trading picks to get out of bad contracts. And, you know, they need, they've, they've got to get away from that. Well, that's it. Well, Jonas, yeah, that's it. Not really, though. I mean, we're just, we're, <laughs> we got more writing to do. and That's it for now. That's it for today. So go to theathletic.com slash leaf report if you haven't signed up for The Athletic and you want to dig into the offseason. Um, and yeah, thank you to everyone for listening. We appreciate all the support. Um, we enjoy doing it. So thank you for listening. Thanks to Punch, our main man producing and... Yeah, James, we'll talk in a couple days. All right, Jonas. Let's have a beer one day here soon. Goodbye.